There we are. There we are for another episode of Miami Total Football Radio, the show otherwise known as Miami Total Football Radio, the show. I am joined. <laughs> I am joined by a very special guest, as you guys can see here. Legend of the local area, legend of MLS, is coached in the wildest parts of the world that you would not even imagine i can't imagine the things he has seen we can probably talk about a little bit here thomas rongan who is also an inter miami commentator for the radio show and the radio broadcast he's got the the new training top on the marvel training top if yeah you can see it there with uh some of the marvel characters kick childhood cancer uh yep. he's very very proudly wearing it my name is franco panizo if you're joining us for the first time or for the umpteenth time Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't, please give us a follow, a like, a uh, share, subscribe on YouTube or a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening or watching this, whether it's live or later on. Thomas, let's just start with how you're doing. Thank you for joining us. How's it going, my man? Doing great. My life, as all of us, with Messi, but also with uh, the movie Next Goal Wings uh, that came out, uh, world premiere in uh, Toronto at the International Toronto Film Festival which was awesome. I saw two showings with 2,500 people. Michael Fassbender is playing me, Taiki Watiti, obviously, uh, from Polynesian descent, uh, is the producer. So that was a fun five or, or six days. It's kept me busy, just like uh, Messi has kept us busy as well, which is a, which is a good thing. You know, I, I love it. Life is good, uh, Franco, right now. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, you know, we've seen each other over the last few years, but actually... You probably don't know. You definitely don't know this, but uh, I mean, I've known about you since I was starting as a journalist and I was covering MLS. I actually was when I was starting, and this is a story I don't think you know. Uh, when I was working for Ivis Galarsip with uh, Soccer by Ivis, I was covering the under twenty national team very closely that you uh, that you coached, and I was very eagerly looking forward. At that point, I was I don't know 23, 22. What, what years were those, Franco? Two thousand and eleven was when the under twenty World Cup qualifying uh, tournament happened and oh i was like you, you had a very me, talented you, you team me on, the, on, the, on the down spiral like you, know? <laughs> you had a very talented team i was very much looking forward as a young 20 year old to go to columbia to cover that under 20 world cup and uh, the under 20 in, team did not in, in guatemala correct ah now you're testing my memory where i just we, remember we, we had lost in a one-off game and they went mm -hmm. and, and correctly so and that's a little bit of a forgotten age group because out of that age group actually uh, Sebastian Legit, mm -hmm. um, you know, even Bobby Woods, that people mm -hmm. didn't know uh, much. Ibeaga, Sebastian yeah. Ibeaga has, has has carved out a good career here Great. in MLS. So, yeah, like um, Busse Monde and and, and yeah, Busse Joe Jao. Yeah, we have Joe Jao and, uh, and and some other uh, some other guys. You, you probably did me a favor though. You probably did me a favor. I probably wasn't ready to go to Colombia at that 
point in my life. I've gone now, <laughs> not a little bit older, and I've had a great time. I probably wasn't ready yeah. at that point in my life. I probably and, wouldn't have done any work and, and got stuck over there. And that actually <laughs> allowed me to go to American Samoa, which was 2011, uh, February or March, uh, when I led that team that was the worst in the world, had not won in two decades, uh, into their qualifying phase for Brazil in 2014. So if one door closes, I'm very fortunate throughout my career that another one opens. You might notice better than that. Is there any coach that ever coached four or more MLS teams? I don't know, man. That's a good one. It's <laughs> yeah. a good question. Well, I don't think so. I don't think you definitely, you're definitely up there <laughs> in terms <laughs> of uh, getting uh, some positions at different clubs. Uh, but let's let's go to some of the listeners and the viewers here. J Doc says, "Como están Miami Total Football Radio?" Tank seven two one says, "No way, Rongan in the building." Welcome, Carlos C with a TR for Thomas Rongan. Thomas Rongan, a man of the people. Um, Thomas, we're going to talk mostly about intermind. I just want to I just want you to tell me a little bit about that experience um, on the other side of the world. I know you've talked about it in good detail. Uh, there's been a movie. I mean, but what, what can you share with us here just about that overall experience for you? Because it's, it's a rare opportunity, right, in, in life to, to go move to the other part of the world to do something you love. And obviously there was a nice story behind it as well. Yeah, it, it, there was a nice story behind it. Uh, you know, a team that obviously I, I didn't know. And Sunil Galati, who still was the president of the United States Soccer Federation, uh, asked me, since I had still a few months left on my contract, if I wanted to uh, go somewhere and, and be a more of a technical director and anything else uh, to one of our uh, territories, which American Samoa uh, is, which I didn't know at that time. So I remember asking somebody while well, he called me because he wanted a quick answer, go Google American Samoa. And somebody said, it's next to Fiji. <laughs> so I went, I went to Sunil, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Next day, I'll look at Wikipedia, et cetera, et cetera. They're the worst team in the world, last ranked in FIFA, not scored in 20 years, not won in 20 years. So I get there. There's no head coach. I've become immediately the head coach as well. And uh, just just at the end of the day, an incredible experience. And I won a, an MLS uh, Cup uh, as a coach. Uh, we did 320 World Cups, assistant coach in 98 for our World Cup team, assistant coach for our Olympic team as well. Um, won actually a, a trophy in the APSL after the NASL died as well when uh, the strikers re-emerged uh, a, a few times, uh, but this was just a, a wonderful experience that was put together first in a documentary by two young British filmmakers that mm -hmm. were there before I even arrived. And their whole thing was what makes these people tick to come back and lose 20 nothing, 28 nothing, 31 nothing, right. 18 nothing. They don't get paid, they're amateurs and Fast forward, here I am. Fast forward, we win a game against Tonga. Actually, uh, I played the first transgender in a in a World Cup FIFA uh, game in, in Jaya Salua, which becomes uh, next to me probably uh, the biggest uh, protagonist or character in, in that documentary. And, and I remember sitting at Tribeca Film Festival in 2014 when it opened up. And The Rock is sitting next to me because he's from American Samoa. He was promoting the movie. And next to him, a smaller guy that goes, and, and it was hectic afterwards. And he goes, I, I'm gonna turn this into a movie. And I went, yeah, okay, whatever. Three years later, uh, I don't know if you remember, my name is Taiki Watiti. I just uh, did Thor. I wanna go back to my roots. This is a great story. I, 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 I told you, I don't know if you remember, but I'm gonna turn this into a movie because 
I'm indigenous. I'm, I'm from New Zealand. I'm Polynesian. I'm from a tribe. So I understand my people. And I want to give my people a chance on the big screen. Uh, and he casted a lot of Polynesian actors uh, as well, which was absolutely brilliant. So again, fast forward. First, he said, um, I want Russell Crowe, which is my best buddy, uh, to play you. But he's so overweight, he can't do it. So it's going to be Michael Fussbender. So I go, okay, that's, that's cool. <laughs> Not really understanding till this buildup, obviously, it took years with COVID uh, to make the movie. And then finally see it in Toronto with an audience that, that cheers, that cries, because it deals with my daughter's death. It deals with, uh, you know, some taboo uh, topics like Jaya, for instance, which is part of the Fafa Fina um, uh, uh, population in Polynesia, where uh, third gender is very much accepted, um, and religion. You know, I, I, I was not raised as a Catholic, more um, as an atheist, so uh, that's another undertone there that I start embracing religion and more spiritual. I finally cry. Uh, which I had not done since my daughter had, uh, had passed. Uh, she was a freshman at, uh, at VCU. I wore her VCU hat. Michael Fassbender is wearing the VCU hat. I wore this armband. Uh, she had a saying, she's a beautiful, make it happen, which she wore in the movie as well. So there were a lot of cool moments for me, uh, but more so for the Polynesian uh, people, uh, I think that, that that Taiki Watiti's put trying to put his people as he claims on, on the map. So wonderfully done, a little different. You know, I took a different road, obviously, um, which is Hollywood. You know, I was first uh, the bad guy and then I become the good guy and we win a game. So all, all good. If, if Michael Fussman is playing me and Taiki Watiti <laughs> has become a friend of mine now, I go, all right, at 66, that's not a bad place to be. Not bad at all. Thomas, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, I know there's a lot to, to dissect there and a lot of layers to all of that. So I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to dive into that a little bit. Um, but let's talk some Inter-Miami here because yep. you know, there's, there's a good bit to talk about. The most recent game against uh, United, the game coming up against Toronto FC. Before we get into the football, the soccer stuff, we have to talk about one of the most important topics of the last few days regarding Inter-Miami. And it's this thing right here. This awful pizza that Lionel <laughs> Messi posted on his... Uh, here's a better look at it. Here's a better look at it. That he posted on his Instagram the night before the game against uh, Atlanta United when it was already being reported uh, on social media that he was not going to be traveling with the team, not going to be playing. Um, so he took the social media after that after that report came out and posted this awful, awful looking thing. It's Argentine pizza, which is a different type of pizza, but um, I mean, it's gotten ripped plenty. Yeah, there. I mean, okay, it's getting ripped. Listen, I was born and raised <laughs> in, in downtown Amsterdam, so meat and potatoes pizza was not part of our, our culture till I got to this country, and all of a sudden, teammates from Chicago, New York, are fighting. Who's, who makes the best pizza, you know? And, and the guys in Chicago, it's us, and they feel these cheesesteaks. New York claim they make the best pizza. I'm sure that you know better than I do, but maybe this is a, 
a real Argentinian thing. It is, yeah, it is. It so, is. It's just, but it just, it just looks, look at that thing, man. That thing is hideous. It doesn't even look appetizing. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> a guy who just bought a $10 million house should do better. I, 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 I agree. Correct. <laughs> no wonder he's got muscle fatigue, you know? I mean, he's, he's not eating well, but that was, that was pretty funny. And by the way, anything Messi touches or goes to, apparently the pizzeria a lot since then had lines around the block for people to order the same pizza by the way the, the messy effect is just not just on but also very much off the field as we know from going unbelievable yeah but not, not a great choice it's a <laughs> carlos, uh, argentina fugat fugaza fugaza carlos Caesar, thanks to the post i discovered argentine fugaza so it's not all bad I mean, listen, I've had Argentine pizza, and it doesn't taste terrible, but that one just doesn't look good. But Messi is very, very much Argentine, very, very proud of his of his roots. So, you know, it is what it is, but it was uh, it was an interesting talking point there for uh, for Friday night. It was it was entertaining. It was entertaining, and it carried Correct. over to Saturday. I mean, it yeah, a, a Saturday. lot of programs spend a lot of time on it. You know, the Galasso <laughs> actually did a whole dissection of his, uh, of his thing, which is pretty <laughs> cool, actually. So, again... Messi just reaches out to all you know, faces of, of life in our, our society, even if it's pizza. It's, it's amazing. The most covered pizza probably in, uh, in recent <laughs> memory. Yeah, definitely in MLS history. Definitely in no MLS doubt. history. Uh, but let's let's talk about on the field. Messi did not play, did not travel. Neither did Jordi Alba for the match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, which I attended. I traveled up on Friday night. And landed as as the news was breaking that Messi was not going to partake. We'll talk about that here in a little more detail. You you've been a coach, so you yeah. can maybe shed some light and I into. Heard your buddies the, in Atlanta were not happy with you, huh? They my buddies in Atlanta were not very happy with me. I have uh, Peruvian <laughs> buddies who are Atlanta United fans. They have the jerseys and everything, but they're very South American and very much big fans of Messi. They paid a good amount of money to go see Messi yeah, play, did. and you know they weren't the only ones. There was a good amount of people that were looking forward to see him play. Yeah. I have a I have a distant cousin who wrote me on Instagram and in, in Spanish she was like, oh no you know um and that's the PG version. So um you know she was just saying I'm very <laughs> upset that he's uh he's not here to play. But anyway Inter Miami loses five to two. It's the first loss in the Lionel Messi era. He wasn't there on the field of course but it is the first time Inter Miami has lost the game uh since he's arrived and they lost by the score of five to two, and Miami took the lead through up Leonardo Campana, and then well, the wheels kind of fell off there late in the first half. They gave up three goals before halftime, including an own goal from Kamal Miller. Second half, Inter Miami early pulls one back through another Leonardo Campana goal. This time off a penalty kick, it's three to two at that point. Inter Miami had some good moments to tie the game potentially, but they get caught on the break, give up a fourth, uh, and then give up a fifth late on, and, and it ends up being an ugly defeat. And again, the first one in 13 matches for the South Florida side puts a dent into their playoff push. But Thomas, just your overall takeaways from this one. And again, we can talk about the Messi and Jordi Alba absences in a little bit, but just collectively, you know, what did you think about this one for Inter Miami? Yeah, I think that that, that Inter Miami obviously made a very conscious decision on this one based on the past and and also the future. Let's be talked about obviously the Open Cup is is, is huge. Um, I don't think making the playoffs is a long shot, uh, but but Atlanta, who by the way in the summer made a few good additions mm-hmm. and was a very very good team, uh, whereas against Kansas City, 
obviously that's a team that has scored 39 goals. I think Atlanta is now at 56. So you knew that the Atlanta game in particular uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, would have been a much, much harder game as, as well. And I think the KC game without Messi and some others were a little bit of a one-off against a, one of the poorer teams in, in, in MLS. And Atlanta, more direct, more hungry. Mm. Yeah, the VAR decision put a little bit of a gut punch in Miami's momentum. We still don't know for the effect that, uh, because there's no 100% evidence due to the fact that, which is amazing in this day and age, there's no goal line technology. But in, in, in saying that, um, you know, Atlanta was just on the day so yeah. much, much better. And, and in particular, where we struggled over the was out wide. Uh, you know, 1v1s, not preventing crosses, not staying with, with, with runners. If you look at the three goals uh, in that first half, they all come from wide play and, mm-hmm. and, and, and crosses. So that's where, where the team really struggled in their 1v1s, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, in, 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 saying, in saying that, we got to talk about obviously the absence of of, of mm-hmm. Messi. I, I got some experience uh, when I first before, came before Thomas. Well, before you give me that, before you give me that, because I, I want to hear, what, I want to share and hear what Tata said post game about the game okay. itself. Before we dive into the Messi and Jordan the other absence, because that's going to take us into a snowball effect of this Wednesday's game. Uh, but let's listen to what Tata said post game about just his overall analysis on the game. He of course talks about that uh, controversial first goal, which you know, I'm with you. I don't think it should have been called a goal based on what we can see. Again, that's what we can see. The linesman has a better view of it, of course. Uh, it's, it is a little bit mind-boggling that MLS doesn't have goal line technology. From what I can see in the multiple replays that you can see, from what I saw live in the stadium, from what I saw live uh, – or sorry, not live, but on the on the rewatch that I did when I got uh, back on in front of the TV, I don't see how that ball goes in. I just don't see where the ball fully crossed – the goal line and, and where we sit in the press box here. Actually, you know what? I'll play that first. Where we sit on the press box in Mercedes-Benz Stadium is mm-hmm. right behind that goal. So I, I had a pretty clear look of, at it from up top. Obviously, I'm not in line with with it like the linesman is, but I just didn't see any play or any angle uh, live or afterwards suggested otherwise. But let's let's take a quick look of what what Mercedes-Benz looked like from my vantage point and the atmosphere that was there on hand on Saturday evening. <laughs> Pretty, pretty impressive, dude. I'm probably that, that just <laughs> captured it nice. You know, seventy thousand people, they're into it. What a great team they've been for for MLS. Obviously, U.S. Soccer is now building a facility there because the owner mm-hmm. Arthur Blank is, is putting fifty million out of land. All of a sudden, it's becoming like a, a a big soccer hub. Although, in terms of sports, I think Miami is the town. In the world right now to, yeah. to be it be it the heat be it the dolphins right now be it some of the collegiate teams the panthers and now mm-hmm. inter miami that's the place to be and, and you know what yes the goal was somewhat controversial but at large inter miami deserved absolutely uh, a bit of a spanking against a much better 
Atlanta. Absolutely. Absolutely. Atlanta United executed their game plan better than Inter Miami could uh, execute their game plan, right? Atlanta United was able to impose their will on Inter Miami more so than Inter Miami on, on Atlanta United. Listen, listen to Tata now on what he thought uh, post game in the immediate after. Nos dolieron mucho, las pérdidas de inicio nos dolieron mucho. Eh, como suponíamos, Atlanta es un equipo que va sin lugar a dudas a pelear la liga. Y a veces no alcanza con controlar media hora de partido, ¿no? Hay que ser mucho más consistente como a lo mejor eh, fuimos en Los Ángeles. Pero también es cierto que en Los Ángeles sufrimos y el rival a lo mejor no tuvo contundencia y creo que Atlanta hoy ha tenido, además de jugar bien, mucha contundencia. So for those that don't speak Spanish or don't understand Spanish, um, I'll, I'll do a quick, you know, paraphrase of what he said there. Uh, you know, he talked about just them struggling uh, after the first goal. Uh, talked about being... Um, having a tough time on tra in transitions, defensive transitions, uh, dealing with crosses. And then he goes into saying something that I think is noteworthy that maybe wasn't talked about enough, generally speaking, I think, in the postgame is that Atlanta United was clinical with the chances it had. Where other teams have had opportunities to put Inter Miami away and they haven't taken them, LAFC is the team he he really mentioned there. Uh, Atlanta United was clinical with the opportunities guy. Yes, you can talk about, again, the controversial opener. You can talk about another controversial goal later on, which may have been offside, may not have been offside. But nonetheless, they took their chances well, and they made it to Miami pay. No, no, no perdonaron, as we say in Spanish. They didn't um, forgive or or uh, pardon into Miami for the mistakes they made. So uh, Atlanta United did something that other teams haven't done, which is be clinical. Um, and like Tata said, they also played well in addition to being clinical. So yeah. that, that, that helped them come out with the three points and let's no, that's, that's, that's a great team. point and, and let's go all the way back to the first game Cruz Azul Cruz Azul if Cruz Azul is clinical it's mm -hmm. three nothing game over there's no messy magic and 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 we've been somewhat fortunate in, in some of the games not all games quite frankly um I think a great calendar prior to these two games with a few clean sheets did not have to come up with right. acrobatic five, six, seven, eight saves like he did, uh, you know, pre-Messi and, and, and Tata Martino. But yes, that, that, that's a great observation. Um, probably the five goals, they probably get, what, six, seven good looks and you score five. That, that's a pretty good percentage, no doubt. Right, right. And remind me, had three shots on target in this one. Two of them were put away. Um, by the way, that first one from Leonardo Campana, I mean, it was one of the bright spots of the game for, for me. I mean, obviously, a heck of an individual moment. And I think... It also helps illustrate, you know, some of the struggles Inter Miami had because while yes they did take the lead and while yes they did trim the deficit to make it three two and get within reach there in the second half, I mean the first goal comes off of a shot from distance. It's not really from the collective run of play where they're breaking down the opposition, right? It's a shot from distance from Dixon Arroyo hits the crossbar, falls to Campana on the rebound, oh, and then he does his, his his flick, took, right? So took Miles Robinson inside out, took his soul actually, you know. I'm surprised <laughs> he only gave. Leo Cabana 7.5, by the way. You know, what's get the guy to do with a brace? Back to back braces. I mean, I, I need a little more. I need a little more. What did you give against Kansas City? I kept. I have to go back and look. I can't remember. I can't remember. Probably a seven. Sorry, maybe maybe an eight. I don't because he he gave a little more from the run of play. And again, it's not just on Campana. Like 
it's a, it's like a, player ratings, yes, based on them for me, but it's also based on the collective, right? Like if the team doesn't play well, then he's going to have less chance to influence the game. I thought he was confident on the ball. Um, you know, again, but well, well, I mean, that's what I mean. The team didn't play well, and he still scores two goals. Absolutely, that, that, that should put him at least in an eight. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's what player yeah, ratings are all about, man. Player ratings, dude. That's, that's a big topic of discussion. <laughs> I like, yeah, a little, little old school style. Um, yeah, but yeah, in general, Inter Miami just wasn't wasn't good enough uh, with the ball in this one. They, you know, on the rewatch, uh, a lot of long balls. You know, they had to deal with the Atlanta United press that they just didn't let them be as comfortable as they wanted to be. I thought that I thought uh, uh, Facundo Parias had a really good game um, with the ball at his feet. You know, he pulled off a couple of nifted nutmegs, and you know, he was essentially filling in for Lionel Messi. Um, and I thought he did it. Yeah, but you okay too many players below a five or maybe even a four for that matter. You can't be yeah. able to afford doing that if Messi, Alba. But also, well, let's be real, real honest, you know, uh, Sergi wasn't there. Uh, Gomez hasn't hit his stride, but he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a box-to-box guy that can help you in certain situations. Alba not there either, you know, you can make a case that Maybe that 3-5-2 and Joseph Martinez getting a little bit more time as well. I think the 3-5-2 fits this team a little bit better. The last two games, a back four. You give up seven goals. Uh, you look at some prior successes in the, in the 3-5-2. That might be also the system uh, which is going back and forth, uh, the, the future system, if, if I think Tata Martino looks at the bigger picture. Very interesting because in Atlanta, when he first came in 2017, he, he came out of it. He's a 4-3-3 guy. You can interpret mm-hmm. the 433 obviously in so many different ways but if you look at the final that they won in 2018 he played a, a, a 352 with michael parkhurst being the central guy of of of, of a big three you know so there it is, there it is the coach this. i love i love when i see someone do this thing you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, at some level because they start talking with their fingers and doing the tactical <laughs> i love that yeah. i love that <laughs> uh but yeah, listen i i this was the starting lineup. You're right. It was a fourth of the and I, I do want to touch on the starting lineup. It was Drake Calendar and goal, back four, DeAndre Yedlin, Thomas Aviles, Kamal Miller, Noah Allen. In midfield. Hey, hey, you're going too fast. You're going too fast. Start with Drake Calendar. <laughs> According to Franco Pinazza, 3.5, by the way. Yedlin, a four. <laughs> I gave Yedlin, a four. Kamal Miller, two. Oh, my God. Noah Allen, he four. Yeah, a shocker. Now, the midfield, three. Dixon Arroyo. Yeah. What did I give him? Uh, you, were, you were very kind to be sketched with a six. What I give Arroyo? He quietly always gets some out of job done. You know, he, to me, he's always you need. I was one of simple. Those he's simple. And a coach that told me, told me, if you can be a seven all the time, sometimes a six, sometimes an eight, and I know exactly what I'm going to get from you. That's Dixon Arroyo. You know, he he looks where Busquets is, fills a hole somewhere, and 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 quietly gets a job. Uh, I like what I've seen. I like what I've seen from him, man. Since especially yeah, with the it'll be new very group. interesting to see going forward if if Mota and Gregory come back, who one is going to be the up man out, and I don't think right now it's maybe Dixon Arroyo because he's probably on the lower end of the three financially. But you yeah, know, it's for and, and he said story. that he said that I asked him recently in, a, in an availability if you know there's been any talks about extending his contract, which ends at the end of this year, and he said yeah, there's been talks with his with his agent, and and that's being discussed um, elsewhere, but he's focusing on the football. You know the cliche, yeah. but there have been conversations. So Dixon Arroyo, Sergio Busquets, and Ben Hamin Kremaski were in the midfield. 3.5 against Benja. <laughs> and then up top, Robert Taylor and Facundo Farias on the wings, flanking Leonardo Campana. Yeah. 
uh, Taylor. I mean, it's interesting too that, that the guys that you've put low, but you know, and, and I'll take Miller out of this one. But the messy effect is is is, and I've played with, I've coached some great players as well. They make other players better. Some ten percent, some fifteen, some twenty. In some cases, twenty five percent. I think Taylor might fall into twenty five percent when Messi's on the field. And Taylor actually play that left side. He's a different player. Ben mm-hmm. is a different player because he gets direction. Yetlin is a different player. You know when Messi uh, is 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 on on the field uh, as well. So pretty good with your uh, with your performance. It's a little harsh on uh, on Kamal Miller with a two. But right. come Kamal, listen, I like Kamal. I think I think he deserves a contract extension offer, whether he takes it or not at the end of the season, whether he wants to go to Europe or not. I think yeah, he deserves no, he to come back. But I think this was, you know, I put in the in the player ratings. Yeah, this yeah, might be I'm his right. house only, of horrors. I'm only kidding. He goes from an eight nine a game ago, <laughs> two games ago. He was un- remember the three breakaways, and he's just able to do it. And yeah, it was just collectively poor. And then three or four guys that normally are pretty good around at least a six, including mm-hmm. Benja and Kamal Miller, are just way too low. You can ill afford to, doing that without already not having Messi, Alba. Sergio Christoph, Martinez, Gomez, etc. I put up the heart right there here on the screen because I love that you're talking player ratings with me because I love talking like the scores and debating about it and talk and I love that you've uh, you've uh, dove yeah, into that I with really me. Dig it. Uh, I appreciate that. Not, my co-hosts don't normally dive into player ratings too much in detail. They don't really like they're like okay, but like I appreciate that, Thomas. I might have to have you on here more often, as a matter of fact. But <laughs> you, you touched on the the big big talking point going into this one, and that was that Lionel Messi and of course, in addition, Jordi Alba did not travel uh, and they did not play in this one. So before we dive into it, and you can shed some insight as a former head coach, you know, what type of things go into making this type of decision. Um, let's listen to what Tata said post-game when I asked them about their absences, whether the turf field had anything to do with it. Again, it's in Spanish, so if you don't understand, uh, I will explain or I will translate um, or paraphrase afterwards. So let's listen to this from Tata Martino. Los dos están con una fatiga muscular, corríamos riesgos de, de tener peores consecuencias si venían a jugar este partido. Nada tiene que ver la cancha, en absoluto. Este, y nosotros es el, el día a día que tenemos por delante, porque quieras o no, tenemos la búsqueda de, de intentar llegar en, a los playoffs, pero tenemos el partido del 27, entonces a veces es difícil tomar decisiones porque estos también son partidos decisivos, pero la realidad es que hay una final que está puesta el día 27, pero quiero aclarar que nada nada tiene que ver la cancha. So Tata says twice there in the beginning and then at the end, he wants to reemphasize the point that the turf field had nothing to do with their absences, that they both have Fatiga muscular, which means muscular fatigue. And we can talk about the schedule and the games that have been played and all of that. And Thomas, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because I'm going to be honest with you. I do not buy that the turf field had nothing to do with that. I don't buy that for one second. Jordi Alba has, he didn't go in international duty, right? And he has been a regular piece since he arrived. Why was it in this game that he all of a sudden had muscular fatigue and couldn't even be in the 18 alongside Little Messi. I think the turf field has something to do with it. I think if it's a do or die game, they have to play on turf. 
I think they'll both play. But like he says, like Tata says there, you know, they're focused, of course, on the 27th. On the final, the U.S. Open Cup final, they would love to make the playoffs. Um, and they're going to keep trying to make the playoffs. But they have one eye on the 27th. That is, you know, their shorter path to another trophy, which whether you agree with or disagree with or whoever, you know, thinks whatever they think. I mean, it's a fact that it's a shorter path to another cup than it is to try to make it to the playoffs and then right. try to win the, 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 the yeah. postseason. Uh, so, one thing I thoughts. know, so I came here as a 21-year-old brought in by what I still consider uh, over the last century probably the best coach ever in, in Renus Meagles that signed for the LA Aztecs in 1979. And there I played as a 21-year-old with my childhood hero, Johan Cruyff. Fast forward to the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Gert Mueller, at that time still the all-time leading goal scorer in World Cup history. Nenekubias, four World Cups for, for Peruvian. Peruvian Nenekubias, Thomas Rung. Peruvian yes. Nenekubias. you got to mention anytime it's a Peruvian. you got to mention it. you got to yeah. shout it out. <laughs> Elias Figueroa, which, which in my opinion might have been a better center back than Franz Beckenbauer, but he played his whole career in South America, particularly in, in Brazil, but was voted you know, player of the year several times when Pele was still at his heyday. So Elias Figueroa was unbelievable. And most, and, and let's face it, 80% of the players that come here, the big time players were playing in Europe. And most older players' bodies and minds over time are so fine-tuned, trained, conditioned for the normal rigors that their careers have endured. Um, that means training, playing, eating, travel, resting uh, in mostly European environments. In the U.S., their body rhythms are completely thrown off. And, and I'll give you three examples. Johan Cruyff was more injured in his short tenure in the NESL than he was ever before. And, and, and he said to me, he says, Thomas, first, it's the game itself. It's athletic it's it's you know americans are very good athletes but and it includes the referees as well which i have to get used to a little bit different the way they call over there travel he goes we just came back from new york on a on a red eye you know we could be in in, in amsterdam you know it's a five-hour travel three time zones hotels some are better than others different foods climatic conditions um, the field themselves, we just talked about turf, but also sizes at times, baseball stadiums versus mm -hmm. whatever. The now camp is the biggest, you know, in the world. And all of a sudden, your, your, your dimensions are all, uh, all, all up. Less family time. It's all new and different. And then you throw in Messi's case, the international uh, games and travel. Some of the greatest, and include Cruyff, Gert Mueller, and Elias Figueroa, they, they had muscle fatigue. And that was not because we were at that time, we're talking about 45 years ago, uh, were medically so advanced. It's so much easier probably to do that nowadays. Um, and physical and also mental fatigue led to, to, to injuries because these guys wanted to play all the time, had to play all the time. A lot of pressure from the ownership group and, and the NESL for these big players. Uh, to show up each and every time. Uh, and, and even in my MLS career with the Tampa Bay Mutiny and with DC, uh, we had some hiccups when, when El Pibe had to go to Colombia and Marco Echeverri had to go to 
La Paz, you know, to play for Bolivia. And we, 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 we struggled with a few games and, and they would struggle as well throughout the season. And I had to give them rest uh, as well. Paco Palencia, a good example, Chivas, uh, we kept saying, I've never been in so many planes. I've never traveled so many distances. I've never played in this cold of a weather in, in Toronto while in LA, it's still 20 degrees, uh, you know, and that's what Inter-Miami I think is trying to avoid with, with the big guys here who have played from day one, including Alba, you know, pretty much two games a week. And then Messi's going to travel to, you know, uh, and he still goes with the team. Yes, he doesn't play to Bolivia, La Paz. Mm -hmm. I, I've set in a runway in La Paz and, and I'm bleeding because the, the air is so flipping thin, it just bursts your, you know, it's, it's insane. So did the turf play uh, a, a role in that? I don't know. The one thing I know is all these guys love other sports. I'm sure they, they watched the Jets game, you know, a big time player. And, and that might've played a little bit in the back of whomever made eventually that mm -hmm. decision. I think it was really done looking at the overall schedule if there's one game right now and it's on turf against a team at home that's pretty good, that we might, let's see if we can get a draw, but we chalk that one up as a loss because the other ones are pretty doable. If we manage our, 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 our time uh, mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a worth, it was a worth gamble and I firmly believe that Messi and Alba needed, needed rest. Uh, and I mean that sincerely. I, I appreciate the insight there um, tremendously. Because, you know, when coaches come out and speak publicly, and I'm sure you, you know, when you spoke publicly and you were the head coach, I mean, you would say you would go in for the three points or going for the win in every single Absolutely. game. But when you're behind the scenes and you're really making your plan with your technical staff, you know that there's going to be some games where you might have to sacrifice um, a bad result because you're thinking bigger yep. picture, right? So I, I appreciate you sharing that because it's not something that um, obviously gets talked about all that much openly uh, in terms of public um Discourse. So I appreciate that because it, it, listen, that might have very well been the plan. And if you listen to Tata Martino's uh, second quote that I'm going to share with you in that post game press conference, he dives into it a little bit more because this previous quote, Te deja entender, he lets you, you know, um, you can insinuate that he's putting up more of a focus on the Open Cup final than on trying to make the playoffs. But in the second quote, he flat out says it like the 27th is the game we're, we're going after. He says clearly, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead here, but he says, you know, even if we win every game from here on out in, in terms of trying to get to the playoffs, we still might not make it. So clearly, well, I, I disagree with that one. If you win that's what he game, said, though. It's what he said. You're, you're in a hundred percent. You might even be in, in seventh place. <laughs> it's what he said, though. So clear. I mean, to me, that shows his mindset into Correct. or what, which which way are we going there? there? Which and way I are we going? Done the same. Looking at this here, being able to win a second trophy, uh, of course, that that's the key game. And let's see if we can still get some results. Uh, otherwise, this, this Wednesday game is huge. You have to you have to get three points, obviously. And we've been very lucky, also, because in the last few weeks, our opponents have dropped points. And even on that night, both mm -hmm. DC and I think is it Montreal both drew zero zero. So you didn't lose three points, you lost two points, but you gained the last few games four, five, or six points on them as well. So it's still very doable. Both are doable: winning another trophy and making the playoffs. We'll, we'll whip, bring out the calculators in a little bit with the standings. But let's look at Natata's second quote post game where he lets it be known. 43.5 will take, maybe less. 43.5. 43.5. All right, let's look at Natata here on focusing on the final. 
And we'll dive a little bit more into Messi and Alba's absences. A nosotros nada nos cambia eh, el panorama de, de, de cómo este, va a entrenar él, de no tenemos urgencias, eh, si está bien y, y confiado sobre todo puede llegar a jugar, pero si no pasa esto esperará unos días más. Y como dije, es muy difícil porque... La final es un solo partido y estamos ahí y es muy tentador ir por un título. Y acá son siete u ocho fechas y, y, y incluso si este, las ganaríamos todos, tampoco por ahí tenemos la certeza de, de poder entrar. ¿no? Es decir, empezamos esta carrera lamentablemente muy, muy atrás. Este, no la vamos a abandonar, pero está claro que sí la mirada está puesta en, en el 27. part there flat out says it directly we're not going to give up on our fight for the playoffs but it's clear that we have an eye or we're looking at the game on the 27th that's the priority and i don't listen i don't disagree with it yeah, I don't well, disagree I mean, with the priority do you, do you disagree with that no i don't disagree i think that if you have to prioritize which one sure. you've got it you've got to go for the open cup um and it rhymes never won the open cup before it's a chance to win the second trophy this season if they had won the open cup before Maybe I'd be like, all right, you know what? They've done that. Try to go for the playoffs. But I think it makes sense whether people agree with it or disagree with it. I, I still don't fully agree with you, though, that they – that I mean, you, you did say the turf probably was a factor, and I would agree with that. Um, sure. But I just – like, I don't just don't – like, why would Jordi Alba – what was it this team? He couldn't even travel for it. He couldn't even get on the bench for it. Like, you're t he couldn't even be a bench option. Like, I think the turf well, had, has, has a bigger part played, to do than they said. He played in 10 straight games that included Nashville, Cincy, L.A., New York, home, uh, just But he couldn't there. be on the bench, Thomas? He couldn't even be on the bench? It doesn't mean he has to play because he's on the bench. Well, if travel is, is – is, is, and I know it's not the, the furthest away, but if travel becomes – because it's still driving to a fucking play, going on a play, sitting <laughs> your neck down. No, seriously, sitting down, waiting, you're cramping up a little bit, you try to walk a little bit, wait, wait for the bus to come. Checking into the flipping hotel, going upstairs. Uh, where's the team meal? I'm gonna go and food on the floor. Uh, uh, and and all these guys, I'll be real honest with you, <laughs> Cruyff in particular, but also Gert Mueller. Anytime they went to a city they've never been to, go. Okay, don't tell the coach, but we got to take a few hours to go to the uh, Empire State Building. We got to go. Uh, <laughs> seriously, they also become so much tourists. So if you want to take them all the way out of that one, you just don't take them. Uh, So I get your point as well. Don't don't get me wrong, but to me it makes sense. Matthew Hennel says prioritize U.S. Open Cup. We pitched the question to you guys: What should Inter Miami prioritize, the Open Cup final or the MLS playoffs? Curious to hear what you listeners and viewers think. Um, to wrap up on the on the Messi and and Jordi Alba absences, and particularly Messi because that's the talking point going into Wednesday as well. Um, He didn't play against Bolivia, right? He traveled, like you said, but he didn't play against Bolivia. So he hadn't played in a game prior to Saturday in nine days, right? So he had played against uh, Ecuador where he scores a free yeah, for Argentina you, on international you, you, you duty on a Thursday. You, 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 you can't look at that. I, 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 I'm telling you, the, the, you, you just – you can't look at it, at it that way. You know, he, he did travel, he didn't play, he didn't play 90 minutes, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the game against Paraguay, correct? Or one nothing? 
Uh, so they beat Ecuador 1 0 and then sure. they. Uh, the, the Ecuador game. And he comes yeah. off, which Tatiana Martino off. says if Messi plays, he never wants to come off. So to me, that's, that's a sign already that the greatest in the world is actually listening to his body and, and tells his coach, I'm, I'm, I didn't pull a hamstring, but. I don't know, Matthew. This is where the cynical journalist comes out of me, Thomas, because there was talk even before the Argentina-Ecuador game, before the international window began, about Messi not playing in Bolivia. There was already, like, rumors about that and reports coming out of different parts of South America about that because, like you said, it's very trying and taxing that altitude, you know, the very little oxygen. But, I mean, and he's 36 he, years if, old, if, and he's 36 if, if years he travels, old. He, he's traveling in an overload situation to – and I'm a little stunned, actually, that, that maybe Messi – Tata and Scaloni didn't didn't figure this one out, but I guess the first World Cup qualifying game um, important. You know, obviously he's now being loved again since the World Cup, so he wanted to be part of that. And he's that type of guy that wants to be part of it. He could have easily come back, but he goes to La Paz as well. And yeah, you don't play, but the accumulation of all those things, just saying he had not played for nine days. Muscles are funny things. The mind is a funny thing as well. And 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 if he's exhausted, just sitting on the bench in La Paz will not necessarily regenerate him quicker or not. I firmly believe that this was the right course to take based on my experiences with international mm -hmm. players, based on the international players that I've played with in the NASL uh, as well, that tried to play through it and ended up with some serious injuries that didn't allow us to win an Open Cup or to win the Cup because we pushed them through. So then so then that leads us into Wednesday, right? Inter-Miami hosts Toronto FC at DraftMake Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I imagine we will both be there. Yes, Thomas, you're, you will be in attendance as usual? Yep. Okay, so the question then is, as it was today, does Lionel Messi play? Will we see him? I'm not saying is he starting. I'm saying does he play in this one? If you say yes, then we can go into whether he starts or not. We can look at the remaining schedule before the Open Cup final, which includes a Clásico, a Sunshine Clásico, a Derby game on Sunday at Orlando. So uh, a quick bus ride up um, or an even quicker flight. I, I think they'll take a bus, though, if I'm not mistaken. Usually take a bus. Maybe they'll take a flight. I don't know. Maybe they change things with Messi. Um, but this is what Tata said today. We didn't speak to him. He did not speak to the press today, which is – um, not the norm, right? Normally the coach speaks before mm -hmm. he didn't do a press conference or a scrum today at practice. Um, you know, if Messi has muscular fatigue or fatiga muscular, Tata Martino has fatiga vocal. He's got a uh, vocal fatigue because he's been talking a whole lot, doing interviews, post games, pre games. He's been doing a lot. And there's been a lot of, a lot of matches and short success. So he didn't speak, but we were given a prepared statement on his behalf in English and in Spanish, since he's, you know, all his comments that I've shared so far on this week's episode have been in Spanish. I will share with you guys the English quote. And it says, every player on our roster wants to play every match. That is our mentality. No, that is the mentality of our group. We have a lot of important matches in a short window of time. And one of my responsibilities as the coach is to care for my players and help them make the hard decisions that will give us the best chance of keeping everyone healthy during this busy run. Beginning on Wednesday, we have six matches in 18 days, which is one match every three days including the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup final. Regarding Messi and Alba, both players will train in the full session today with the team, and after that we'll see 
if they're available to play and to what extent. End quote. All right. Thomas, what does that say? Reading between the lines, what does this really long... Which you can clearly tell. I have to say this. It it made me chuckle when I read it. I get it completely, but it made me chuckle. Right there where it says, uh, we we have six matches in 18 days, which is one match every three days. That was very well done by the PR team. Because, like, just trying to get the math in there. Like, oh, by the way, six matches in 18 days is one of them. <laughs> like, that's definitely a PR thing. I don't think that was you know, six matches in 18 days, which, by the way, is one every three. So um, what does that say to you? Just overall, what does the, the overall uh, statement say to you about what the we might see? The ideal scenario is towards the end of the season when, you know, let's face it, Champions League is starting, so teams are starting to play two games a week in Europe as well. But... At the tail end of the season, you get normally, when it all shakes out, a, a game a week. The ideal situation is for him to play on Wednesday as many minutes as, as he can. Get some time in Orlando. I don't think you want to go less minutes now. 90 in a very tough game on the road against uh, uh, Orlando. That's a physical team that wants revenge as well and then have to turn around because it's a Sunday game, correct? Yes, it's a Sunday game. And I'm playing Wednesday. So ideal rhythm for players is a game a week. Not always possible. But now you're going to, again, you know, yes, Tata maybe doesn't know the 6 and 18, but he knows there's a lot of games coming up <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I totally understand because it's not just Busquets needs a rest sooner or later. Let's be, let's be real honest. Um, so... Again, I don't know Messi's mental or physical state. We, none of us do. Sure. But, but there's something, obviously, of, of a little bit of a concern. I don't think the whole Atlanta story is, is chalked up to bullshit and, and turf or whatever. I think he needed a break. Listen, and, and, and if you don't give him a break, that's what I like about Tata. He might actually, Messi might have said, yeah, I don't mind. Maybe I'll play the last 15 or maybe Tata to protect him a little bit. Because that's what coaches need to do, which are hard dis- decisions. Because every player does want to play, believe me. Um, and now you got to do what's, what's ultimately best for first and foremost, the individual and then, and then the team. So is Toronto a, a, an easy win? They're the worst team. I think Colorado is, is, is even on points. They haven't they've won one in the last 15. Inter Miami should win this game, Thomas. Inter Miami should win this game, right? On, on any given day, front three of Kerr, Benedetti, and Insigne could maybe cause some problems. But if I look at their their back back uh, at their at their back four, which Michael Bradley is part of it, uh, they're so. <laughs> He's got bad. the notes. He's got the notes. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. A consummate Bradley, professional. <laughs> Rusted, Petretta, Franklin, Romero in goal. So I, I I would say play him as long as stardom and Alba play your best team, uh, get the three points, take some guys off if 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 needed. If it's five subs, you have that luxury, mm. and then just look at the Orlando game and, and see how everybody feels with the knowledge that you play in Orlando, you travel back, so you're home. What uh, shower? Blah blah. Are they driving? Are they flying also to Orlando? I don't even know. I th- I, normally, in the past, they've, I believe they've driven a bus three hours as opposed to the flight, right. but I don't know if that changes with so, Messi. So, again, board. let's say even, even if you fly and I've flown once or twice with them, uh, you're still talking about one, 
to 3 p.m. 3 a.m. you come in, all right? Mm -hmm. Then you do a, then you're gonna make a decision, do I just give him the whole day off, let him just sleep and, and whatever, come back on Tuesday and play on Wednesday. I've got one day of preparation. So they'll mm -hmm. come in on Monday, a little bit later, do a regen, uh, go home, and then on Tuesday, tactically prepare for a Houston team that haven't played this year and then try to put your best 11 out there that can get a result. So that would be the ideal situation. Get time with Messi and Alba. Uh, if it's 3 nothing at the 60th minute, you could take him off, although Messi's not a guy that wants to be taken off. Uh, but, but I think he also understands now what the magnitude of next Wednesday is. And, and then Orlando is a game that you can... I would say you allow the game to dictate how much minutes he's going to get off the bench. I would start him on Wednesday, bench on Sunday. If we need him last 20 minutes, let's give him a little bit. Let's keep him you know, somewhat, somewhat part of... That's another thing too, you know, you go through rhythms and trying to stay sharp and stuff like that. Messi's so unique that, you know, <laughs> he's just so brilliant. Uh, I, I needed I needed games. I needed dogmatic minutes every game in order to sustain a certain level. He 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 doesn't. But only time will tell. It will be interesting because you're right. They haven't come out yet. There's still this feeling that maybe he won't play. You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, if you made me predict, no inside information here on it. Uh, and I know he did train. I do have that. He trained. Obviously, we saw him in the first um, 15 minutes of training today. But I heard he you know he continued through the session. Um, I think he suits up tomorrow. I don't know if he starts. I don't know if he starts. And maybe he starts on Sunday and then plays again on, on Wednesday. Because two games in four days he can probably handle. Two games in four days. I think one thing that you know is talked about, but maybe we haven't harped on enough, is that he is 36 years old. This is not Lionel Messi of six years ago, 10 years ago, where you can expect him to play under such um, intense demands with such quick turnarounds. I mean, he's 36 years old. He's he's closer to the end of his career than he is to the beginning. No, that's what I mean. So, so physically, okay. he's got he's going to have to be he's going to have to miss one of these games probably, or not start I, one of these I, games. I understand that somebody, anybody for the matter, uh, even an, an, an average player, can play a Sunday Wednesday. But it's it's what what happened before, and also what's still going to happen thereafter. So they're playing Houston on Wednesday. At home against a back-to-back -back, uh, at home against NYCSC, don't you take him to Chicago or Soldier Field? There's going to be like sixty thousand people. Do you do you direct to the Chicago's again? Because <laughs> sooner or later you're gonna you gotta sit him again somewhere, and then you're gonna miss him one game against Charlotte, which is back-to-back, -back. and it might come down actually to the two games against Charlotte at the end of the season, where he misses the second one. I think, if in fact he's going to go for qualifying again, yes or no. Uh, so there, there's still so many games to be played that, yes, he could squeeze out the Sunday, Wednesday, but then he can't squeeze out another Saturday, Wednesday, yeah, yeah. Saturday. Which, so, is, which is what Tata, to me, is, you know, leads me to believe, which is what they're, they're, they're okay with that because their focus is on next Wednesday. That, that is essentially uh, their MLS okay. Cup. I say he's going to start against Toronto, not start against Orlando. You said the other way around. Interesting discussion, we'll, and you we'll and I will see. probably – before the game, when the lineup comes out, I might have to give you a call. You might give me a call, depending on who wins this one, Franco. I'll put. I'll give. I'll just give you a winky emoji. Um, look, maybe maybe he just comes off the bench in both of them. If they're that focused on next on next uh, on next Saturday. Or next no, Monday, no, no, right? no, no, no. You can't. I, because you make a good point. He has not played what in nine days. Now it's so uh, as, 10, as 11, 12 days. As unique as he is, he also needs 
to get a little bit of rhythm again, you know. So you, you, you need to get him some minutes somewhere, not 10 or 15, uh, probably 60 or maybe a good 90 under his belt. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. Well, well interesting to level. Let's see what Tata does. Correct, exactly. Let's see what Tata does. Now, before we get into a little bit of the matchup here, uh, well, I guess now let's just go into it. Let's let's because we're getting we're getting close to an hour here. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the matchup in a little detail before we wrap up here. But this is the playoff standing right now today. Inter Miami has remained in 14th place after this weekend's result. <laughs> Thomas is putting his glasses on after yeah. this weekend's result. Inter Miami uh, stayed on 28 points. Oh, yes, 28 points through 27 games. They are seven points shy of ninth place DC United, which has 35 points. So seven point difference with seven games to go in the season to get into the playoff picture. Thomas, you said eight, it's not impossible. I think eight is still doable. Montreal against Cincinnati, away against Atlanta United, Orlando, uh, Houston, Portland, and Columbus. Montreal's got a tough, the toughest schedule out of us, D.C., and Montreal. D.C. actually is, and we're not playing either one of them because those are six-point games, obviously. You know, D.C. Is, is, is actually not in that bad of a shape. They're playing at home against Atlanta United, by the way, could, could help us because they played Montreal and D.C. both. D.C. at home against Atlanta, the Red Bulls, away Vancouver, Austin, NYCFC. So D.C. might actually have a, on paper a, an easier schedule. I'm not concerned about the Chicago's, the Charlottes. I mean, we're playing Charlotte twice. We're playing NYC. It really is Montreal and, and, and D.C. And eighth place, home field advantage. I still, I firmly believe it's, it's, it's doable, even if, if you put all your eggs in next Wednesday. This team still is capable uh, against some opponents, as they did against Kansas City, uh, to get some uh, to get some results, in particular if you add Alba to the mix, yet I don't know where Gomez is at with his injury, obviously, and Sergi and Joseph, uh, you know, and and you go back to your uh, three five two, which also eliminates Messi total defensive uh, responsibility uh, or five, uh, whatever you want to want to do it. I think both are doable, and 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 that includes resting Messi here and there. Uh, a little bit. I think both are, are very, very doable. So I'm going to ask you to sacar la calculadora and take out the calculator and, and a little bit more. Battered Herons here says they'll make the playoffs. They can still lose to Orlando and make it. So they're of the belief that Thomas has. Look, I've said from weeks ago that I don't think they make it. On last pod, uh, I said it's looking like they might. But I still am going to stick to my guns and say that they don't. I think that they just will miss out. And this is why. There's seven games left. They are seven points back. That's at least three games, right? Three games worth of results. Two yeah, wins and a draw. Two games in hand on, on DC. That's But games in hand don't mean, no necessarily mean points in hand. That doesn't mean points no, in hand. No, but, 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 but fair enough. But if, you, if you've won 12 out of 13, the chances are that you pick up a few points here. If, but if you're starting to put a big emphasis on next Wednesday – that means you're not, not you're going to make some sacrifices when it comes to your regular season games. And look, I, I tweeted this today. I don't know if you have yeah, the but same I think thought. The team has, has enough quality to to and they've shown that against the Red Bulls when, when they were up one nothing without Messi. You know, Messi made a, a late late appearance. They showed it against Kansas City, which is a poor team. So yeah, you you get smacked 
one game, which is actually great to get smacked 5 2. That's a real, you know, sometimes <laughs> because complacency starts setting into with, with, with this sort of, okay, we're, we're, we're back. I think, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's, I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, so I just think if you're going to put so much uh, focus on next Wednesday, there's going to be sacrifices that in other areas. And this is what I tweeted today. And I think it sounds like you agree with me. Messi was the big reason why Inter Miami won the league's cup. He scored in every single game and in games where they didn't play well, he scored golazos mm-hmm. and he was uh, obviously other players played part their parts as you know as they do in a team sport. Great calendar came up with some big saves, but Lionel Messi was the player that helped Inter Miami the most win that league's cup. If they are to make the playoffs, it's because of everybody around him is going to step up and perform and give Inter Miami enough victories because as we can see, as we're discussing here, he's probably not going to start in some of these games. Right? He's going to be on international duty for the Charlotte game. He's probably going to um, be on the bench for at least one of these upcoming next two games. Maybe he sits out um, or is on the bench again in, in the next weekend game after the Open Cup final. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be whether the rest of the team, the other players, can deliver and get this team to the playoffs. Because I don't think you're going to be relying on messy magic for all of these remaining regular season games. Other players are going to have to step up and deliver. This last game against Atlanta, they did not. They have another matches, like you said um, uh, before, before that game. So it's going to be very interesting to see who steps up or if they step Correct. up. Correct. But we're but also very fortunate. No, I, I don't disagree with you, uh, regardless of what happens. Three points tomorrow. I, I, I'm convinced of that. Orlando, hey, listen, for anybody, Orlando, what they did in the last game, the comeback and stuff like that, highly emotional, Oscar Perea which, by the way, I brought to the United States to play in MLS. Uh, I know how he how he. Ticks. Humble brag, humble brag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, you know what? You, you play NYCFC at home. You only need Messi for half an hour to get three points there. Chicago away. Chicago's minging, by the way. And then you could probably do without Messi there and, and, and get maybe a, a, a draw. So I say three points against NYCFC. I say three points against Toronto. That's six. Orlando... I, I would pick one point, but that might be hard. Again, it depends on what they're doing with Messi, obviously, the next two games. Uh, I think he won't play as much there. Um, Steve, you know, Munoz, Steve Munoz says, I'm with Franco. So there we go. We've got somebody, since, somebody that agrees. <laughs> since he at home, since he's just a, a, a tough animal. And then Charlotte at home and away. That's four points there. So I say four since you draw is five. Chicago is eight points. NYFC is 11 points. Orlando, let's just say Orlando, we don't win. So we're, we're picking up 14 points. Out of the, 14, 14 points. Does that get them to 43? Thomas, let's look at the standings. Does that get them to 43? No, it gets them to 42. They yeah. just fall short. No, because <laughs> those numbers will, will, will change because the East is so bad. I could have sworn, Thomas, you said 43 and a half. You said that earlier. I told you, 43.5, and I think 42 will get you in. And let me, I, did I get you to the 42? Just, I just did this out of my head. Yes, you got oh, to 42. Really? You got I should to 42. go back coaching again. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic fantastic all right well very quickly just what do, what, do we, what should we expect from tomorrow's game very quickly uh and we can start to wrap know, up the show guys have won one out of the last 15 they're an absolute mess uh their savior which is their new head coach won't start till october who by the way will make some changes this team is already looking at 
the offseason, where they're going to shed stuff and John Hurtman is going to put a DNA there that they really need it. I'm not so sure how good he is at X's and O's, but he's a great motivator, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's good for them. And, and again, what kind of, in what state, uh, Bennett actually walked off the field with the current interim coach. Uh, but then again, uh, they had a good result against, was it Philly that they beat uh, 3-1? But outside of mm. that, it's all, all losses. This team, yeah, if you give them a sniff, you got to go after this team, both in transition, uh, uh, there's zero trust in this team between players, you can tell. You know, I mean, and absolutely nobody wants to work for each other. Uh, it's the most expensive roster as well. Um, I'll be shocked if they get anything out of this game. And saying that, <laughs> you can't <laughs> it's underestimate. It's MLS, brother. It's MLS. You know, look, I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you if you put a gun in my head right now and said I had to pick who wins tomorrow, I'm taking Inter Miami 100%. But covering this league for a long time, and I, I do believe Inter Miami is a different team than most MLS teams that you know you can point to over over years. But there are games late in seasons where you expect three points, at least from the outside, and then the other team spoils the party and, and either stuns you with a draw yeah, or yeah. even a victory. It happens. It happens. Uh, but I would no, say no, Intermind okay. was tomorrow. Intermind was tomorrow. Happen. But, but a team that has won one out of the last 15, this is like the old Inter Miami. Bad body language towards teammates and stuff like that. These guys don't want to fight for each other. But if you, if you give them an opportunity, and that's why I think the 5-2 spanking is good, because it's it, it, it heightens the awareness of, of the average mediocre play, the Yetlins of the world and stuff like that, and all believe in, okay, we got to go. I, I think this team will be very motivated from the opening whistle and want to want to show that they're better than that last 5-2 loss, regardless where Messi now fits in, yes or no. With Messi, it'll become a lot easier. So I guess this is the, the last question with regards to the game. is, And I, I think I know where you're going to go with the answer, but I ask all the same. What formation does Tata go with tomorrow night, in your opinion? Does he go back to the 4-3-3, tried and tested, or does he go to the 5-3-2, if you want to call it? I mean, I don't know if you're a 5-3-2 guy or if you call it a 3-5-2, because there's, yeah, there's, okay. coaches that, there's coaches that try to sell it as being very attack-minded. Oh, we lost Thomas. Oh, he's coming back. Um, I'm back. <laughs> there you are. I, there's I, coaches I that like to the, sell it as an offensive formation. I, I go back to the three, and the reason being is you have uh, – the Toronto puts the 4-3-3 formation out there, which is Bernard actually on, on, on the right. It's Kerr right now, the young kid as nine, could be somebody else, Insigne. But if you look at the average positions over 90 minutes of these guys, Insigne becomes a playmaker. So it's really a 4-4-2. So now a big three against two, that's, that's ideal. Atlanta with the traditional white wingers, you, you probably have to play with a, a, a four. Or if you want to build in even more uh, defensive thrusted organization, you can play five there, you know, and, and double out wide where we struggled on the flanks. Um, uh, obviously, because I, I say you have to go to a, a, a three five two Kamal Miller, Sergi, and, and Thomas Abilas, um, Alba, obviously, Yetlin. Again, wouldn't surprise me if Busquets maybe gets arrested. Let's say Busquets, Arroyo. Uh, Kramansky, Farias, uh, Messi, or Leo, or you, know, you got to fit somebody. You know, Kramansky didn't look good. You know, do you play uh, Farias, who I love, by the way? 
It's very um, good. I'm very, I'm even very impressed with him. Play. So you got to find a way to get Farias on, on, on the field. Do you need to play with two holders or the Busquets and the Royal? Can you be more adventurous and play Busquets in there with Kramanski and Farias underneath Messi? And, and then again, if you say at home, Messi starts. Taylor is a good beneficiary. Maybe you play out of 4-3-3 with Taylor on the left side somehow when Messi turns, <laughs> seems to be able to find that space. I was not said on the people. fence. You said 5-3-2. Give me the, you stick with the 5-3-2. Don't give me a 4-3-2. Yeah, yeah, I, I am sticking with that. Okay. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think they go 5-3-2. Um, you, see, I, I, I'm glad to hear that you called it a 3-5-2 because every coach says it differently. They'll just say 3-5-2 or 5-3-2. I call it a 5-3-2. I'm not a coach, but I call it 5-3-2 because it's defensive players, even though they take up more advanced positions. There are coaches that like to sell it as a more offensive-minded formation, so it doesn't look so defensive. Um, but it's all it's all a matter of perspective and philosophy. It's all that's why we love the beautiful game because it's all a matter of perspective and philosophy. Um, all right, so we both think that Inter Miami wins. We both think they come on a five-three-two. You think yep. Messi starts? I say he does not. All right. So then, before we wrap up this show, uh, and we've got uh, we've got some comments here. Steve Munoz, 4-3-3 because Toronto is trash. Okay, so uh, this is what happens in, in late games, though. If you underestimate a team, they can, especially in MLS, they can, yeah, punch, they can. You, they can punch you in the about. mouth. Uh, but before we, we wrap up the show, I got to share this with, with the viewers because they've been watching this podcast for several weeks now. This has turned into video, and they've seen that, that jersey over there. I've told them that I need something over here. I've been waiting for it. It hasn't been sold in stores. What do you got? Here we Woo! go. Here we go. Now we've got it. It's here, and we can put it now in that corner, probably before the Orlando City game, uh, maybe before the Open Cup final. What do you have there? You got something for us? Love it, there? love it, love it. Well, I, I got my first 1979 L.A. Aztec jersey, Rungan, doing all the dirty work for, for Mr. That. Cruyff. Ended up in in Washington D.C. hanging out with the Kennedy family who lived next door to Troy, where I stayed for seven months. Yes, those are throwbacks, my friend. Wow. Wrong. Then obviously we go to the Strikers, where I initially was. Uh, this is going to be nice. But Ray Hudson was twenty, was four, and since we looked alike, I became number six the year thereafter. Then I had a stint indoors <laughs> with Chicago. <laughs> Chicago Sting, baby. Look at that vintage shit. Look at that. I really like that striker one. I mean, I know I know it's uh, home cooking, but I really like that Fort Lauderdale one. I think it's the classiest looking one cool. for yeah, you yeah, to yeah, show. Yeah, like the, the white with the little pale yellow. Oh, it's, wait. It's and really nice. My, oh, we got another one. We got another one. My autographed. Uh, Tampa Bay Mutiny. Wow. You've taken me back, man. My stepdad had one of those jerseys as a kid, and he would play in it all the time. Coolest, 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 coolest. Uh, as, as <laughs> and then I was at one point in time an NASL All Star. <laughs> Thomas is reliving his days right now. I love it. Dude. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love that we can. I'm a big jersey guy. I'm a big. Like, I love too. football in all aspects. I'm not just about the X's and O's. I love the whole. Uh, the whole picture behind it all. Oh, a hundred plus. I got. I got some really. I got. I got a, a jersey of the Hiroshima uh, uh, local team where we played in Japan in 1980, and we went to the site where they dropped the bomb, dude. It's crazy shit. Wow. Hiroshima. I got Psycho. I got the in Indonesian national team. I got some crazy Central American, South American teams. As a player and coach, I tried always 
exchange, you know, which is which is cool. But you gotta get your hands on a messy one. You gotta get your hands on not 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 this type of messy. You gotta get your hands on a messy game worn jersey, brother. That's the hardest one to get. Trade one of your good ones. Trade one of your good ones over there. It's like trading cards. You can probably get a good messy one if you give up one of those legit wrong ones. Kyle says, "I wish I witnessed that era was in New York." All right, yeah. well, we'll leave it there. Thomas, thank you very much for joining me on Miami Total Football Radio. I, like, we could probably nerd out for another hour just talking about jerseys oh, and easy. soccer culture. Like, Easy, easy, easy thing to do, uh, especially with uh, our dialogue. I can, I can tell very, very quickly. Uh, but all right, Thomas, I will see you tomorrow at the stadium. Thank you, viewers. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in once again. I will repeat what I said at the beginning. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're listening to us. If you're watching, please give us a follow, a like, a share, a subscribe if it's on YouTube. So we'll leave it for there now. Thomas Rongan, Franco Panizo signing off. This has been the latest episode of Miami Total Football. Oh, man, I couldn't roll it. I couldn't roll it. I got stage fright. Come on. Radio. Radio. There we go. We'll be, we'll be back later in the week to recap the game against Toronto City. Orlando City. All right, Thomas. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thank you, guys, for tuning in. We'll talk to you later in the week. Have a good night.